Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 172. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Hi, how are you? So it is a sunny Wednesday here in the north in Vancouver. We are coming out of the darkness into the light. Uh, It's been a long winter here in the north. January and February are two of the hardest months for me. I turn a little dark and twisty. They they are very dark months. Uh, Not a lot of light, a lot of gray, and a lot of rain. But spring is on her way and we are stepping into the light. And that means sunshine and energy and less dark and twisties. So I want to celebrate that. Thanks for being with me on this sunny Wednesday. It's a pleasure. We're going to spend some solo time together today. We're going to talk about strength training. Strength training 101. Uh, One of my missions with my work with Warrior School is to teach women how to train properly, to teach them the processes and the methods to teach them the standards and qualities that they need to do in order to get strong, build these powerfully graceful, resilient bodies and get the results that they want. My coach taught me how to train, how to train properly, how to train hard in a respectful way. And that's what we do inside of Warrior School. So today we're going to talk about that. You know, what does what does the how mean? Like how do we train? We know that strength training is important and we're going to talk about why today. But how? Like how do we do it? What do we do? My second mission with my work and with Warrior School is I want every woman to feel the joy of lifting a heavy barbell, of lifting a weight she once couldn't lift. I want you to have a great love affair with training and lifting weights. I want you to fall in love with it. I want it to be one of your greatest loves in this life. It's one of my greatest loves. I love it. I love training. 
I love lifting heavy weights. So let's talk about it today. We are actually in our final week of the Warrior Queen Challenge. It's been an epic 12 weeks. This challenge was created to help my warriors build confidence at the barbell. I wanted to teach her to step up to that bar and strategically load a weight that was way out of her comfort zone that she thought that she could never lift. And wow, they blew my goddamn mind. It was insane, the results that they got over the 12 weeks. For those of you who follow me on the gram, I'm sure you've seen some of their wins and their PRs trickle through. I'm actually going to create a highlight wheel uh, because it is so damn inspiring to watch these women step up to the barbell and lift heavy ass weights. So heavy. And they just have so much more confidence at the bar. Oh, I love it. Uh, I was actually on a call the other day with Nikita and it was her Wednesday in Australia. And she said to me, I haven't been to the gym this week yet, Amy, but I know I'll go. I trust myself to go to the gym now. And I, I just love that. And so I said to her, you know, can you tell me what you mean by that? Tell me what you mean by I trust myself now. And she said to me, I enjoy training. Like I actually enjoy going to the gym and doing my sessions. And I've never experienced that before. I feel good when I do it. So I know how good it makes me feel. And I'm making progress. So I see progress and that's really exciting because I want to get back there so I can make more progress. She said, before I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't see progress. So I was like, well, it's not a big deal if I don't go because I don't really enjoy it. I'm not seeing progress and it doesn't really feel that good. And when you can find the magic three, I think they're the magic three. One, enjoying training. Not all day, every day, not every session. I don't love and enjoy my training every single time, but I'm in love with training and I enjoy training. And that's because I'm training in a way that works with my body. I have structure and organization around my training, yet I have this novelty and playfulness and complexity side of my training. So it's exciting. And then I feel good. I know that because I've got 14 years of evidence of feeling great from my training. Uh, I feel strong, capable, uh resilient. I have energy. I have confidence. It changes the posture in how I show up in the world. And that's all because of training, because of my physical practice. So I feel good. So that's the second magic ingredient. Then the third is we've got to see progress. 
you know, for some reason we have this idea that we've got to get motivated first in order to do the thing, but I just don't agree with that. We need some energy, we need a plan, then we just need to do the damn thing and we start to feel good and we start making progress, which gives us the motivation to keep going. So when you are on the right plan, a proper training plan, when you understand how to train properly, you start making progress. And that's damn exciting when you make progress in your training, which feeds back into wanting to train, falling in love with training. When we take a year to build a consistent practice, yes, a year, you know, you've heard me so many times. I believe it takes at least a year to build a consistent, sustainable, successful training practice. And then years after that, to get very damn strong, uh, I was saying to my warriors yesterday on a call, I believe that training is your practice is just made up of a series of projects and we'll be doing projects in the practice for the rest of our life. We have this idea that there, you know, there's this like mythical there. There's this there place that if we get to there, it's all going to be okay and we'll be happy and we'll love ourselves and we'll feel more confident I'm not saying that results don't matter. They totally matter. Progress matters. Achieving goals matters. Results matters. But we need to move away from focusing on that mythical there. And we need to focus on the process, enjoying the process, enjoying the practice. And when you have those three ingredients like Nikita, You know, sometimes stuff's going to come up in life and it's Wednesday and you haven't done your training practice yet, but you know that you will because you love to do it, because you are the woman that trains. You become that woman. You know, the cool thing about training is, yes, there's a physical transformation, but there's so much, it's so much more than that. There's a whole mindset shift. Uh, There's a whole posture change in how you show up in the world. There's a whole different woman that gets created. You know, if you do a consistent training practice for a year, I bet you, you blow your damn mind. It will change you. It will change you. You will trust yourself. You'll trust your body. You'll be able to dig into those deepest desires that you want in your life. You know, the other day I made a post about confidence And, you know, confidence isn't an outfit. It's not a mode or a moment. It's not a pose. Sure, all of those things can help us feel a little bit more confident, but confidence is the ability to fully trust yourself and your body. It's the ability to access your deepest desires, express them and use them to influence your life. And training is one of the most powerful ways that you learn to trust. And when we trust, we get access, which is why we're going to talk all about training today. (laughs) So it takes a long time to get really strong. So looping back into 
my call yesterday with my warriors, we were talking about uh, this idea of this mythical there. And I said to them, you know, I've been seriously training, like I've had a solid training practice for well over a decade. You know, we're talking about 12, 13 years now, and I'm still working towards weights and movements that I've been (laughs) working towards for years and years and years because things come up and those things could be injury or weaknesses or time off or sickness or travel or life. And that means that a new project arises or a new problem. And we have this this idea that that is a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. When something comes up in your training, it's normally just showing us the weakest link. So on uh, Nikita was on the call yesterday and she's had some knee pain. And so we've had to stop squatting. And one of the movements in the Warrior Queen Challenge was the squat, building your back squat. But she said that I was really frustrated at first, but now I know that, you know, it was my weak link and I have to do things to make it stronger and I will be able to squat again. And that's going to happen a lot in our training. Stuff's going to come up and that just creates, it's the pro- that's a problem and that's okay, but that problem then can create a project and we need to work on the project or the weakest link, could be our energy, it could be pain, it could be injury in order for us to keep showing up to the practice and keep moving forward. So your training or your practice is just a series of projects. And those projects will help you move towards your goal or your vision. But it takes a long time to get really strong. (laughs) And there's a science and practice to strength training. It's very complicated and scientific. You know, I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of information out there. Uh, There's a lot of people in the field. There is a lot of science. There's a lot of research. uh, And it can be a little bit complicated, a little bit complex. I am doing a presentation for a friend who I did my master's with in Melbourne uh, at Deakin. We did our master's in dietetics together. So I'm doing a presentation for her community. And it's on strength training. And when I was uh, getting the presentation ready and doing a bit of uh, research, I came across a statistic, which was, it blew my damn mind. Uh, 6% of sports and exercise science studies from 2014 to to, to 2020 were conducted exclusively with female participants, only 6%. Isn't that crazy? But there was so much research done in that time on strength training. And while, yes, females, we do have a little bit of a different physiology to males, getting strong is pretty much the same for males and females. 
Now, some of the strategies and plans that we need to implement to support us in our training can be a little bit different based on our hormonal profile, our physiology, our menstrual cycle, perimenopause and menopause. You all know, yeah, I am a big advocate for working with our physiology. But essentially, the basics of getting strong, of strength training, are the same for everyone. And it's complicated. There's a lot of science out there. So today, I want to make sense of some of that science. I want to, it's, I want to make it simple for you. You know, if you're thinking about starting a strength training practice, or maybe you are training just for you to have a better understanding of what am I actually doing? Like, what is strength training? Uh, could I do something differently that could help me progress faster, that could support me better, uh, that could get me the results that I want sooner? Yes, it takes a really long time to get really strong and to get those big, long-lasting results. But just because it takes a long time, it doesn't mean that it has to be hard. It doesn't mean that it has to be unfun. You know, I truly believe that it can be simple, powerful, and so much fun. It can be a very elegant practice when we take the long way home. We really just need energy. We need a plan. You know, we need an approach. You need a proper training program. You need to understand how to train. And then you need someone on your team. Well, more than one person. You know, I believe you need a whole damn table. You need a uh, uh, a board of directors, a wise council to have on your team. Now, one of mine was my coach and my coach taught me how to train properly. And I realized that so many women don't know how to train properly and they don't know how to confidently modify, adapt, progress their training to help them get the results that they want. So there are two really cool books that I love, uh, super sciencey and a little nerdy. <laughs> One of them's very big, so you might not want to read it, but I will pop them in the show notes. One is called The Science and Practice of Strength Training, and it's by a sport uh, biomechanist, which biomechanist really just means like biomechanics, like how we move, and by a former strength and conditioning coach or consultant for, I think he was the coach for the Soviet Union Olympic team. Very cool. A lot of cool strength stuff came out of uh, Europe, <laughs> came out of like Russia and Bulgaria, uh, so that's the first book. And then the second one is The Conjugate Method by Westside Barbell. So they, Westside Barbell, Louis Simmons produces or did produce, he passed away last year, uh, some of the strongest athletes in the world. So those two books are amazing. They're heavy reads, uh, but if you want to read them, I highly recommend it. So today let's talk about the importance of intention when it comes to our training, 
the basic science of strength training, why women need to strength train, why you need to strength train, and how to strength train. So how? How do we do it? The process, the method. And I'll share a little bit about my process and method that we use in Warrior School that takes someone like Kelsey who couldn't tolerate walking for more than 10 minutes at a time and could only do two bodyweight strength sessions a week for 20 to 30 minutes to someone that can train four times a week, lift heavy weights, squat 200 pounds, uh, walk for as long as she wants. It's very epic. So I'll share my process and method. So the first thing I want to talk about is the intention. What are you trying to achieve? What do you want? You know, when you think about your health and your body, what do you want? You know, I used to believe that women didn't know what they wanted because they were seduced by the short way, by diet culture. But I do believe you know what you want. So I want you to get clear on that. Write it down, put it in the notes section, say it out loud, message me. What do you want? What are you trying to achieve? When you're thinking about training, starting training, or even if you're in the practice and maybe you're feeling a little bit stuck with it, it might not be working you're not sure if you're doing the right thing, ask yourself, what am I trying to achieve? What do I want? Do you want to become stronger and lift more weight, uh, but not necessarily gain a lot of weight by building larger muscles? Do you want to actually build more muscle? Do you want to be pain-free? Do you not want to have aches and pains? Do you want to be able to do a sport better? You know, a bodybuilder's main objective is to gain muscle mass. So bodybuilders must train in a specific way to change their body composition, to gain muscle mass. So they train a lot of isolation exercises. Many of the exercises on machines are... But remember, machines build muscle, but not motion. And this is really important because, you know, there's a lot of uh, trainers and coaches out there. There's a lot of programs out there that use a lot of machines. I'm not anti-machines. I just wasn't, I wasn't trained that way. I wasn't taught that way. Uh, And I believe that we need to learn how to use our own body as a tool before we use anything else. And I'll talk a little bit about my approach later in the podcast episode. So while bodybuilders' muscles are like really large (laughs) uh, and they're much larger than a weightlifter's, they are not pound for pound or kilo for kilo as strong because that's not their intention. They're also not super mobile. Uh, They also don't have great ranges of motion. But this is due to the lack of exercises that produce uh, produce those outcomes because their intention is just to gain as much muscle as possible. For a power lifter or a weight lifter, the goal is to be as strong as possible, so at the lightest body weight. 
And this is the goal for those of you competing also in running events. So maybe some of you cycle or you do endurance events and you want to be as light and as fast as possible. So for a lifter or a runner, we need to learn skills and movements and coordination. And the strength athlete must master many movements with more and more resistance. A weightlifter has to master very complex movements. So when I was doing Olympic lifting, there is such a complexity to the movement. So there's technique, there's stability, there's range of motion, but there's also this element of strength. So we need to master these movements with more and more resistance. The goal is to be as strong as possible to lift as much weight. So for most of the women that I work with, when they come to see me, their goal is to feel better in their body, to get stronger and to lose weight or to change their body composition. And that might look like building some more muscle or losing some fat. For me, my intention is always health over anything else, health over performance, health over aesthetics. I have been flat on my back on the floor in pain, unable to get up. I have felt weak and broken. I haven't been able to lift a 20 kilo barbell off the floor. I promised myself when I was in that state that I would never be there again. So I would do everything that I could. My practice would focus on making sure that I had a healthy, strong spine. That's my number one focus, healthy, strong spine. To not be in pain, to be strong, resilient, capable, to have a healthy body, a body that functions and feels good, to have great energy, great biofeedback, Health is my number one intention when it comes to my training. So therefore, that means that I prioritize mobility and flexibility, stability, joint health, range of motion, quality. I'll never sacrifice the health of my body for maximal strength or for maximal aesthetic goals. I just won't do it. You know, when I was sick last week or the week before, so sick, never been that sick before as an adult, I don't think in my life. And, you know, I had vomited 13 times. I was so dehydrated. I didn't eat properly for like three days. Uh, When you're that sick or when you're injured and you're in pain, like chronic pain, like unable to get off the floor pain, all you really want is to feel well to be able to eat and to be able to move pain-free. I really want you to think about that. Times where you've been so sick that you've just really wanted to be healthy or times where you've been in pain or you've had an injury that meant that you couldn't train and you just really wanted to be pain-free. You didn't want to have aches and pains. You know, we got to hold on to that. We can get wrapped up and caught up into this, you know, into the health space and the fitness and the diet culture space and the aesthetic stuff. And sure, you know, I love looking the way that I look. I'm so proud of my body. 
not for what it can do, just do, but for the way that it looks as well. You know, I believe that it's okay to want to change our body, to want to lose fat mass, to build muscle, to look a certain way. That's okay, but it can't be at the sacrifice of your health. Well, I don't believe, and that's not how I roll. So yeah, maybe I could get way stronger, but I could potentially lose some of my mobility and flexibility and my stability and my joint health. Or yeah, I could chase these really amazing aesthetic goals, but that could be at the detriment to my biofeedback, uh, to how my body moves. And I'm just not willing to do that. So I was taught by my coach that we focus on health first. It's the number one priority. Then that builds the foundation for the for us to focus on performance. And I can do what I can do in my training. I look the way that I look because of the process and the method that I went through. Because I learned how to train properly and because my intention is always health over maximal strength gains or maximal aesthetic goals and how I look as a byproduct of my practice. So what's your intention with your training? What is strength? Strength is the ability to exert force to overcome resistance. So we're going into like maths, uh, you know, Newton's law of motion, but we're not going to go We're not going to go into that, but basically strength is the ability to exert force to overcome resistance. So strength training trains the ability to exert force in order to overcome resistance. What do you think of when you think of strength? Like what is strength? What is strength training? What comes to mind? What visual images come up for you? So the images, you know, that come up for me, there's a lot that pop into my mind. I'm a very visual person. So I see Olympic weightlifting, like a Chinese weightlifter, a female Chinese weightlifter that might weigh like 53 kilos lifting like 140 kilos for her clean and jerk. Then I see a gymnast on a beam doing a handstand or a backflip. Then I see a boxer or an MMA fighter. I see a bodybuilder. I see a female sprinter. I see a acrobat or, you know, a female that's in Cirque. I see, you know, Tia Toomey who is heavily pregnant and doing hard CrossFit workouts. You know, I see bars. I see gymnastic rings. I see a woman walking tall with beautiful posture. So why should we strength train? You know, we kind of know that it's important. Uh, There is a lot of buzz uh, science out there around, you know, strength training in our 40s, 50s and 60s, strength training and perimenopause and menopause. uh, You know, it gets talked about a lot, but why? You know, what's, what's some of the science behind why we need to strength train? So the first uh, the first section that I like to talk about is really muscle and mortality. <laughs> there, 
very dark, I know, uh, but bear with me. So maintaining your skeletal muscle is essential, not just for strength, but for power and exercise performance and your life. It's essential for your life, literally. (laughs) So there is some research around how when we can keep a certain muscle mass on us, we can reduce our risk of mortality, of death. So that's why literally muscle can save your life. So there was a Brazilian study done, I think it was in 2019, and they had, I think it was like 800 older adults, and they were investigating the mortality risk in uh, females and males and their muscle mass in their limbs. And they predicted that if we had more muscle mass in our arms and our legs, uh, that it would help us live longer. And what they found was that the mortality risk increased in women with low muscle mass in their arms and legs by nearly 63-fold during a four-year study period. There was also another study done in 2022, so pretty recently, and I think they had like over a 1,000 women uh, and men, so I'm pretty sure it was uh, both genders, and they were age 40 and older and they found that skeletal muscle mass is better is a better predictor of mortality than BMI or fat mass. But that then that's pretty cool. That's that blew my mind a little bit that they were looking at muscle mass and that the muscle mass that we have on us is a better predictor for our mortality rate than our actual BMI, which is bullshit anyway, and our fat mass. And then another study, I think in the same year, I'm pretty sure it was also 2022, and this was this had a lot of participants. I think it was like over 100,000, and I think 70,000 of them were women. It was in older adults, so I think they were 65 to 75, and they found that two to six bouts of muscle strengthening activity per week were associated with lower risk of death from any cause. So there's quite a lot of research out there on muscle and mortality. What about muscle and health? You know, especially when it comes to like our metabolic health. Well, it pulls glucose from the bloodstream without help of insulin. So it helps manage our blood sugar levels and it lowers the risk of insulin resistance, which is super cool. And when it comes to cardiovascular health, women need to prioritize it because there was a study done in 2021 and that found that women with high muscle mass were less likely to die from heart disease and that fat mass was not as big of a heart disease risk in women as in men. So those women that had more muscle mass and prioritized making muscle over losing weight, they were less likely to die from heart disease. It's also been linked to uh, lower risk of cancer and diabetes, and that really just feeds into our metabolic health. Uh, Muscle loss also puts our bones in harm's way, which is something that we cannot afford as women. 
So our bone mass and our muscle mass both tend to decrease more rapidly during menopause. Uh, So it's important for us to make and maintain as much muscle as we can throughout our lives to preserve our skeletal health. And we'll... um, I'm going to do another podcast episode on strength training for women in their 40s and beyond, but this really links into that perimenopause and menopausal transition where we start to lose our lean muscle mass and we can't afford to do that because not only is it going to help our posture, keep us strong, keep us functioning and active, but it's also going to affect our metabolic health and it will affect our bones. And we don't want it to affect either one of them. And there was another cool bit of research that showed that strength training can significantly increase fat metabolism during and after training and actually reduce our deep belly fat, uh, which is very cool. So your muscle is your active tissue. So the more muscle that we have, uh, the more supportive uh, it is for our metabolism you know, the higher our resting metabolic rate. So she's important. We want to build lots of her. One of my main missions for myself in life is to try and build as much muscle as possible uh, without compromising my mobility, my flexibility, uh, you know, achieving uh, really cool, complex uh, gymnastics moves. Uh, (laughs) So, but that's one of my missions. I want to build as much muscle build strong joints, tendons, and ligaments uh, so I can age well, you know, so I can enter my 40s and 50s and 60s and feel strong and confident and uh, be capable and resilient. All right, so that's our why. You know, why do we strength train? Now let's look at how we start to understand the practice, understand strength training. So let's look at the different types of strength training, and then we'll look at training principles, training variables, and how to strength train. So there are different types of strength training. So the first is strength endurance training, And this helps you produce and sustain muscle force over an extended period of time. So in this type of training, we do at least 12 reps. We're using a weight that's about 60, 65% of your 1RM or less. So less than that 60, 65%. And it's really about maybe being faster. It's a really good thing to do to build that base of your foundation. And then we have hypertrophy training and it focuses on increasing muscle size. So for this type of training, we want to complete six to 12 reps of each exercise using like about a 65 to 85% of our one RM. So it's about building muscle. Then we have maximum strength training. It's about building muscle maximum strength. It's about getting stronger and it will help you generate the most muscle force for each exercise. So to do this, we need fewer than six reps of each exercise and we need to use an 85% or more of our 1RM. Then we've got power training and it's for those who want to generate the greatest amount of force uh, in the shortest amount of time. 
So power lifters do very few reps and they use about 80 to 90% of their 1RM. Or we could also do uh, like plyometric training, jumping. And so it's actually really important for women. We have more slow twitch muscle fibers. That's why women are a lot better at uh, long and slow than short and fast. Uh, not all women, but you can definitely train. You train power, you train speed. Um, so then we could also say that we have goal-specific training, goal-specific strength training. And this is where the intention comes into it. Like, what are we trying to do? You know, are we trying to build some endurance? Are we trying to build muscle? Are we trying to get maximum strength? Are we trying to get power? Now, when we're building our foundation, like when we're starting our strength training practice, um, we really want to spend time down in this strength endurance uh, and hypertrophy. So building a base is essentially what we want to do. Now that can just start with your own body and then slowly over time we add in weights uh, and or machines and then we can start to come into this place of our maximum strength training and power training. So we have these types of strength training. Then we have training principles and training variables so training principles, uh, there's there's many training principles out there, but there are four that are spoken about a lot in the research. The first one is optimal stimulus, so specificity. So what are what are we? What's our intention? What are we trying to do? If we're trying to build muscle, well, we need the optimal stimulus to build muscle mass. So it needs to be specific. If we are trying to get faster or more powerful. Uh, then we need an optimal stimulus. So we need to be training power. Uh, if we want to get really, really damn strong, we need the optimal stimulus to get damn strong. So that's maximal strength training. Then we need to look at progressive overload. So how do we make that harder over time so we can progress, so we can build muscle, get stronger, get faster, get more powerful? Then the third variable is varied stimulus. So how do we vary... Uh, what we call the training variables and exercises over time because we're going to adapt to that certain stimulus. So we need to make sure that we're progressively overloading it and we're varying it so we can continue to get stronger, build more muscle and get faster. Then we need to look at individualization. And this this has a little bit more to do with uh, performance and the athlete. When we're building a training foundation, you know, we're all working on the, the basics, you know, the fundamentals, squat, hinge, push, pull, uh, developing our spinal strength, developing our midline strength. Now, it can be individualized. So all my women are on individualized training programs uh, to meet them where they're at, uh, to work on, you know, their weaknesses, injury, pain, uh, to build their foundation. But essentially, they're all doing a form of squat, single leg strength, push, pull. We're working on their spine strength, their hanging strength, uh, their midline strength. So the last principle is individualization. And that comes into play when we're doing, we're specializing in something. So for example, when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, I had to have an individualized program for me because that was a specialized sport. 
Then we have training variables and those training variables are intensity, volume, duration, and frequency. The two that are talked about a lot in the research are intensity and volume. And now we can manipulate the training variables uh, to get the response that we want. For example, uh, we have a back squat, six reps at 85% 1RM at a tempo of three, two, one, one. So the back squat is the exercise. The six reps is reps is the volume uh, for three sets. So that's the volume. And then the intensity is the weight that we're lifting. So 85% of my 1RM. So how much load am I moving? Uh, and we can manipulate intensity and volume. And we'll go through an example in a second. But if, if we use something like a ring row or a pull-up, which is a body weight movement, we've got our volume, which is our reps and our sets, uh, which we can look at as like total volume. And then the intensity, well, the intensity is our own body weight uh, in this case because we're doing body weight strength training. We can also manipulate the duration and the frequency, but we're going to focus on the intensity and the and the volume, because those are the two biggest used training variables. So we've got these training methods. So if, if we want to get stronger, our intensity is about 85 to 100% of our 1RM. Now, what if you don't know your 1RM? Well, you can test your 1RM if you want, or what we could also use is like an RPE scale, and that's a very subjective scale. It doesn't work very well when we're just starting our strength practice because we don't have uh, a great idea of, you know, what we're truly capable of. I believe it takes a good six to nine months for you to really learn how to use an RPE, which is a rate of perceived exertion scale. But it's like 10 out of 10 is like, like so hot. Like I couldn't do another rep. Like that would be like 100% of what I got. And, you know, a one would be all day, baby, all day. Like it's super easy. So we could use an RPE scale, uh, mostly to just learn over time. And this is why working with a coach can be really helpful because they'll have a better idea of where to start you uh, if you don't know your 1RM. But for the examples today, I'm just going to use our 1RM. So 1RM just means that's the maximum amount of weight that I could squat. So for example, my 1RM back squat, you know, could be 225 pounds, you know, 100 kilos. So if I want to train to get stronger, I'm training at 85 to 100% of that weight. And I'm doing reps of one to five or six and the sets from like three to five. That's if I want to get stronger. If I want to increase muscle mass, I work at an intensity of 65 to 85% of my 1RM. I do rep range from 6 to 12 reps, and I can work sets from 3 to 4 sets for each movement or each exercise. If I want power or explosiveness, we can, the intensity ranges quite a lot. So it can be from 20 to 70% of the 1RM. Uh, we can do two to six reps. Our sets can be three to six sets. And then if we want strength endurance, which just means endure longer, 
the intensity can be 30 to 60%. Our reps are 15 to 30. Our sets are two to four. Now, if we have an intention, which is to increase muscle mass, that doesn't mean that we don't get stronger. We do get stronger. Or if we do a lot of strength-based training, you know, working high towards our 1RM, doing low reps, uh, that doesn't mean that we don't build muscle. There is, you know, those cool um, circular images where it has those three circles and then it overlaps in the middle and it's kind of like the colored or the gray area. This is how training works. Just because we pick a particular intention, it doesn't mean we don't get any other part of that. We you know we're going to build some kind of power uh, if we're working on our squat. We're going to increase our muscle mass if we're lifting heavy weights. You know, we're going to have some type of strength endurance because a lot of the time in good programming, there's accessory work that really works on that strength endurance piece. So there's an overlap uh, in the practice. So how do we strength train? So we get clear on the goal. And for our example today, it's to increase our muscle mass. So to build more muscle. Then we need to work on our energy. So remember, your energy is essential. You need energy. We need energy to live, uh, to have strong biofeedback. We need energy to train. Then we should follow a clear plan and a proper program, which is what we're talking about today. We need to train at least two to four times a week. And then we need to track our training and our biofeedback to see if what we're doing is actually working for us. Are we able to maintain our health and perform? Are we progressing? Is the plan working for us? We want to train movements. When it comes to our training, we want to perform big exercises, like multi-joint exercises, compound movements. We want to try and use as many muscles as we can. So we want to train our legs, our glutes, our hips, our back, our abs, our chest, our shoulders. We want to train each muscle group at least two to three times per week. So we want to be hitting our legs at least twice a week, our glutes at least twice a week, our shoulders at least twice a week, our chest at least twice a week. We want to perform two to four sets of each major muscle group. So if I'm squatting, you know, I want to be doing some kind of squat variation at least twice a week, and I need to be performing at least two sets of that squat. Then I want to use a resistance that can be performed for about eight to 12 reps. If we're focusing on building muscle, remember, we're trying to sit in that rep range of around six to 12. So we can use a resistance that we can perform eight to 12 reps as a great starting point. Then we want to perform each rep in a controlled manner through the full range of motion. And we want to try to connect the breath and the bracing. So this is where we start. You know, we have this idea, we want to build muscle. We know that, okay, we need to train all of these parts of our body. We've got to train them all at least twice a week. And we've got to perform at least two sets of each muscle group a week. We want to pick, you know, our rep range from about eight to 12 to start with. And we know that the focus needs to be on technique at the start. We've got to learn how to control the movement. We've got to learn, how, learn the movement, 
you know, how do we actually squat? How do we deadlift? How do we hinge properly? How do we pull properly? And we want to go through the full range of motion. And this is where we learn to connect the breath and the bracing. This is where we start. So then we could look at, okay, exercise selection. So I know that I want to increase my muscle mass. I know, you know, how many times a week I should train, how many times I should train my legs, my squat. Now let's actually have a look at the exercise selection. So when it comes to squatting, we've got things like squats and there are so many variations of squats. So sometimes we start with just our own body weight or a goblet squat, and then we can start progressing to a back squat with a target and then a back squat. And then we could look at the front squat. We could look at a wide box squat. You know, there are lots of variations when it comes to the squat and it's about, okay, well, where am I at? You know, who's in front of me? For a lot of my women, we start off with goblet squats and, you know, their own body, learning the technique, the patterning, the control, the tension. And then we start to move, you know, to progress the goblet squat. And then I teach them how to back squat. We normally do that to a target. And then we slowly build the pattern from there. We also have single leg strength work. So lunges, Bulgarian split squats, long line lunges, uh, which are a squat pattern. You know, we're going up and down in a vertical plane. Then we have hinging. So this is where we hinge from the hip. So think butt back, show your butt to the world. Deadlifts. And there are many forms of deadlifts. RDLs, stiff leg RDLs, RDLs off the rack, you know, a clean deadlift, a snatch deadlift, a proper, a conventional deadlift, you know, a single leg deadlift, uh, single leg RDL, uh, bullet squats, you know, there are so many variations. Again, it depends on where you're at, your intention with the movement, but we want those big movements, big compounds. So we want to be deadlifting, squatting, lunging. Then we've got push and pull. And that's our upper body work. So we've got push-ups, overhead presses, bench presses, dips, and then we've got pulling. So our pull-ups or our row actions, uh, again, big compound movements. Then we can look at intensity progression. So how do we increase the intensity over time, you know, to progressively overload? Or we could look at a volume progression. So an intensity progression is increasing the intensity. For example, week one, we might start at 65% of our 1RM and do eight back squats for three sets. The second week, we might do 70% of our 1RM for eight reps for three sets. Then week three, we'd go to 75, week four, 80, week five, 85, and then week six might be a deload where we go back down to 65 for eight reps. So that's intensity progression. So you're lifting more weight over the weeks. So you're increasing the weight on the bar by that 2.5 kilos or five pounds, and you're lifting the same amount of reps. Then we've got volume progression. So we can keep the intensity the same. So the weight's the same and we're doing more reps. So we might keep the intensity of 65%. Remember our intention is muscle mass. So we want that 65 to 85% of our 1RM. We want to be doing at least six to 12 reps. So here for the volume progression, 
we're doing 65% and we're going to do eight reps week one, nine week two, 10 week three, 11 week four, week five, 12, and then week six could be a deload where we go back to eight. We might do three sets of that. So those are just two examples how we can manipulate the training variables to progress our training uh, over a period of time. So it could be a four-week period, a six-week period, uh, you know, an eight-week period. Many of you can begin just using your own body weight and then we can work through those big movements. So when my women come into warrior school, they work on... Uh, their squat pattern, their hinge pattern, their single leg strength pattern, their push-up, their pulling, and they start with their own body. And I teach them to own the movement using their own body. Then we start to add external load to that, so dumbbells, barbell, uh, and we progress from there. How do we pick what we what we focus on? Well, we all need to do those compound movements. So we want to make sure that they're in our program. So we're squatting, we're deadlifting or hinging, we're pushing, we're pulling, we're working on our spine strength and we're working on our core or our ab strength. We could also start with, well, what uh, what's weak? Uh, with my women, a lot of the time I start with they experience pain or weakness somewhere. So we do a movement assessment together in their launch call and I'll find the weak link. And so that's where we start. We start with uh, their injury or their pain or muscles that are weak and we focus on those first. And then we are training these large, you know, large muscles in the trunk, the abs, the spine, compound movements. Uh, and then we'll look at the range of motion and accessory work uh, to support their practice. The really important uh, principle is progressive overload. You know, the process of gradually overloading the body with either volume, intensity, frequency, or time to reach a goal. So it's mostly a matter of being able to make it harder each time you train. And making it harder could be increasing the weight. It could be increasing the volume, so the sets and reps. It could be manipulating the tempo, so going slower or faster. Or it could be manipulating the rest period, so resting longer or shorter. It could be increasing the complexity of the movement. Uh, it could be looking at demanding more quality from the movement. If we're building muscle, we really need to push to almost failure uh, those last two to three reps should be really damn hard. And that's how hard we have to push. I think a lot of us, we don't feel confident to, to increase our weights or to push harder. Uh, and so there's a little checklist that I want to give you that will help you decide with confidence if you're ready to increase your weights or to make it harder. So the first uh, thing on the checklist is, have you mastered the technique of the movement? That's the number one priority. We want to get that right. We've got to learn how to move well. We've got to learn how to squat properly. Now, that doesn't mean we need a perfect squat, a perfect bodyweight squat before we start loading it. But we want to understand the technique of the movement. Potentially, you need to work on our ankles or our hips a little bit. 
that so that we can get down into the full range of the squat, which leads us into the second thing on the checklist. Have you utilized the largest range of motion that you have? So we don't want to just be squatting quarter reps because we don't have the range or the control for the full squat. We want to master the technique and master the full range of motion for that movement. So that's why we might have to start with body weight until we have mastered those two things. And then are you performing the movement with a controlled tempo? So uh, a lot at a lot of my women at the start, I we slow things way down. I get them to do everything very slow and very controlled. <laughs> it creates a lot of friction, but it creates a really strong body. When we actually slow down and we have a tempo, you know, we're lowering down in that squat for four seconds in the negative, that eccentric. There's a lot of research out there when it comes to strength, that the eccentric part of the movement helps us build the best strength. So that lowering down into the squat, making that slow, like four second eccentric down or the negative on our pull up, you know, um, jumping up to the top, holding at the top and then slowly lowering ourselves down into the bottom of that pull up. That's the eccentric part of the movement that will help you build really badass strength. So are we performing the movement with a controlled tempo? If we can check these three things off, it's time to add weight or go up in weight. So if you've mastered the technique, if you've got full range of motion of the movement, and if you're performing it with a controlled tempo, go up in weight. So how do you know what weight to use? <laughs> well, we could use reps in reserve, and that's really a way to measure how many more reps of a movement you perceive you could have done in any given set. So at the end of your first working set, ask yourself, how many more do I think that I could have done? If the answer is more than two to three, you need to add more weight. Uh, and this is this takes practice. It takes time learning and understanding your body, what you're capable of. Uh, and this is why it's really cool to have someone who have a coach because a coach, a good coach is very good at predicting uh, the weights for someone, what they're capable of. So one way you can tell that you're getting close to the end or getting close to failure is that if you feel an involuntary slow in the speed. So say I'm squatting and I the last two or three reps are feeling pretty hard and I actually start to slow way down out of the bottom of my last two reps, I know that I'm getting pretty close on my reps in reserve that I might only have maybe one or two left in the tank. So it's like as in I'm trying with full effort to move this barbell or this dumbbell as fast as I can, uh, as fast as my first rep, but it's involuntarily slowing down. And if that's happening you're pretty close. If that's not happening, you're not close to your reps in reserve or your max. Let's go through reps in reserve. That will just give you a bit of an idea. If we've got four or five reps left in reserve, like it's a lightweight, lightweight baby. And this is just a warm up. You know, it's fast. It feels uniform. It's got speed on all of the reps. There's no slowing down. So that's great for warm up sets or technique work. Then if we've, you know, we've got two to three reps left in reserve, we still got it. You know, we feel confident that we can get to the end of the set. 
you know, reps can get a little slower over time and the hardest um, in the hardest part of the movement. But we know we can do all of the reps and they're effective reps for gaining muscle. And if, if we've got two to three reps left in reserve, then one to two, we still got it. Yeah, we're still pretty confident that we can do all of the reps, but it is slowing way down. By the time we do our last couple of reps, there's definitely an involuntarily slowness to the movement. And this is a really great place if we want to gain strength and gain muscle, leaving one to two left in the tank. Then zero to one reps in reserve. That's our pain face. That's like max effort. That's like, (laughs) and maybe we have one left in the tank. And this, it feels like it's going forever. Like getting up out of the bottom of that squat is taking forever. And this is strength work. Uh, The stimulus isn't much greater than the one to two, but it can cause massive fatigue on the nervous system. So we're there for the strength gains. So we really want to play in this two to three reps left in reserve. And so we want to know that when we finish that eighth rep, that we could potentially do two more, but we're going to leave those two in the tank. Uh, And that can help us pick the weight. So we want to you know, we do want to focus on intensity. I find that we respond really well to that. Lifting heavier weights, uh, manipulating the intensity of the session or the training or the workout over the volume. So I thought I'd just take you through a bit of an example or a case study. So when Kelsey and I started to work together 22 months ago, she could only tolerate walking about 10 minutes at a time. And We started with two body weight strength sessions, so twice a week for about 20 to 30 minutes. And that was basic movement patterns, learning, you know, how to connect in with her core strength and her midline, strengthening her glutes by doing body weight glute bridges, uh, you know, body weight wall split squats, um, developing out her body weight squat learning how to hinge uh, by doing, you know, body weight hinge movements. And basically we're just trying to reconnect the mind and the muscles together. And everything was very slow and controlled, lots of rest, just using our own body. Over time, we built on that. So we built on the intensity and the volume. So we would do more reps or more sets, or we would make the movement harder, uh, by making it a bit more complex or going deeper into the range of motion or eventually we began to add weights to her training. And then over time, we just progressed the squat. So she went from squatting body weight and this week she squatted 200 pounds. That was over 22 months of programming uh, and progressing her training over time. The same with her deadlift. We started with a body weight hinge pattern. She nailed the technique. She nailed the range of motion. She nailed the control. Then we either increased the intensity of the volume. So we did more reps or more sets. Uh, and then we started to add weight and we manipulated the weight that we used over time to build out a you know, 190 pound deadlift uh, that started at body weight over 22 months. The same with her push-up. 
we started with, you know, doing uh, modified push-ups or elevated push-ups. And now she can do strict full push-ups on her toes, overloading the movement over time. So manipulating the volume, the intensity, or even the exercise selection. So the type of movement that we were doing. The same with her pull-ups. You know, we're working towards getting a strict pull-up for her. We started with hanging to develop her grip strength, her, you know, shoulder range of motion to develop the the language through her scapulas. Then we did other variations like ring rows and bar rows, uh, uh, feet-assisted pull-ups, all manipulating either the exercise selection or the volume and the intensity. So there is a process and a method that we go through for each movement. And there are standards and qualities within that movement. And this is one of my favorite ways to talk about time or how long is it going to take? You know, I get asked that all the time. How long will it take for me to get a heavy squat? How long will it take for me to get a pull-up? And I hate speaking in timelines. I actually love speaking in standards and qualities and processes and methods. Let's take um, a back squat, for example. You know, if you have uh, not a strong spine or back pain or really tight hamstrings and tight hips and tight ankles and you find a body weight squat really hard, well, it's going to take a long time to build to a 200-pound squat. But instead of saying, it's going to take you 22 months, Kelsey, what we did was, okay, we need to work on these things. So these are your weakest links. We actually need to build up some ab strength, so some midline strength. So we're strengthening the spine and the torso and the trunk. We need to work on your hips because your hips are really tight and your hamstrings are really tight. So we do certain movements and we are also working on the squat pattern. So starting with body weight to a target working on the technique, working on the range of motion, working on controlling it. Then once she can do that, then we progress it. So over the 22 months, we've always worked in qualities and standards, processes and methods, not in time as in like time as we know it. Like it's, yes, in six months time, then you're going to be at this weight. In (laughs) 10 months time, then you're going to be at this weight. If we can use our checklist, we know that we need to check those three things off. If we have learnt the movement pattern, we know that we need to manipulate variables such as volume and intensity over time or each session to make it harder over time. And that's how we progress something. That's how we go from a body weight squat to a 200-pound back squat. That's how we go from not being able to even hang on the bar for five seconds to be able to do a strict chin-up. We're using processes and methods, standards and qualities. And this is why I believe you need to work with a coach. Find someone who's done what you want to do. Find someone who knows the process, the method, the standards and qualities and who can explain that to you. And that's the biggest thing is that I want you to know why you're doing what you're doing. I want you to understand how to train, like how, why are you doing it? How are you going to be able to get where you want to go? Okay, Warrior Woman, that was a lot in that. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you very, very much. If you are 
If you want to get back into strength training, but you don't know where to start, you have to come and check out Warrior School. It's so cool. You have to come and be a part of this amazing community of women who are blowing my damn mind and who are just building these strong, resilient bodies. Uh, If you have a current training practice, but you feel really stuck, like if you don't have those three magic ingredients like Nikita, if you aren't enjoying it, if it doesn't make you feel good, and if you aren't seeing progress, you have to come and check out Warrior School because I can teach you those three magic ingredients. I can teach you how to get really strong. Uh, I can support you in that. All right. That was strength training 101. (laughs) Hopefully that wasn't, you know, super, super boring. Uh, But I find that, you know, I find it sexy to understand the why and the how. So hopefully you had a sexy ass time with me today. Thank you so much for listening. Okay. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.